Now, my man over here, he got up and he said that God told us to be still. When you're busy, be still. But while I'm preaching, please do not listen to what he said. Your whole rest of your life, when you're busy, you be still. But right now, I'm going to need you to be active. Because when you're quiet and when you don't move, it makes me nervous. When I get nervous, I ramble and I swell. You know, and I can't, I can't swell. It gets bad. So don't be afraid. You, don't, you ain't got to yell or nothing. But if you like something that you hear, you can say, you know, amen. You can say, preach, white boy. You can say whatever you want. You can elbow somebody and say, man, I like that. I'm going to write that down. Uh, but just know that if you are so quiet the whole time, I'm going to tell Pastor Terrence. And you guys are going to be in church jail next week. So if you have one, maybe this church doesn't have one. I don't know. We have one at our church. It's like, it's like Disney jail, except no characters. You guys are doing awesome things. One of the coolest things I've seen today, whatever, one of the coolest things I've seen today uh, was the little Hope City Hero things with the headphones. Isn't that super cool? See how quiet you are right there? I'm just warming you up. Isn't that super cool how you get headphones and stuff for the kids? Does anybody know how long those episodes are? 50? Okay, cool. I got 50 minutes to preach. It's 1 o'clock on Saturday. What else are you going to be doing, right? You know what I'm saying? I love uh, some of my best friends are here. Uh, Mr. Jesse and Jennifer and Dougie and his whole family. My man on the keys who I don't like because he plays better than me. Um, I'm glad you guys are here. We don't get to hang out all the time and do church together, but uh, it's always good. Uh, aren't you appreciative of your fellow Richland SDA church coming over? We at, at the church we're at, we, we were doing a podcast and, um, you know, in every podcast you listen to, in the beginning, there's like an intro voice, and the voice sounds like God. If it's not, it'd be weird. Could you imagine, like, putting your headphones on and podcast gets started? Hey, guys. See, you don't have the same effect. Right there, you're like, no, I got to cut this off. I'm listening to something Disney. I can't handle this right now. But anyways, we were, we were preparing ours. I was like, man, I need a voice that sounds like butter. I need a voice that sounds like, like God. So I called Jesse. I said, Jesse, I need you to come do this intro. And he got on the mic, and it was just, it was like, he sounded like Morgan, like the, you know, Morgan Freeman of Richland. It was incredible. I love these guys. They're, they're really good friends. If you don't like them, don't tell me, because I'll fight you over them. Um, but if you do like them, I, I hope you tell them and let them know how much you appreciate, thank you. I hope you let them know how much you appreciate them coming and helping them worship. That was my little brother. I don't know if he might have already slid out. I have no idea. He, my little brother on the drums. Uh, he, he, uh, he's a drummer at our church too, so that's, that's cool. It's always good to be at, at, uh, new movement, right? This is the first time I've been here since you guys changed your name officially. First of all, I don't have a shirt, so I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> Somebody needs to figure this out though. I'll buy it. Okay, they're back. We got the merch table back there. I'm buying one right after service. If you don't have merch already, make sure you get yours. Man, you have something really cool happening here, right? In, in Pasco, some, anybody agree with me? Like, there's some good things happening right here. You should be excited to be part of a movement, right, that is, that is actually doing things, that's impacting the community, uh, that has a gr- great leadership that, that's right in front, pushing things to be bigger and better and greater, right? Not for the numbers, but so that people around us, our friends, our coworkers, our family, can get to know who uh, Jesus is and allow Jesus to impact their life. That's why we do what we do. That's why this church is in existence. And you, uh, th- 
let me promise you, I've been to tons of churches, um, and, and man, all churches are not exciting to be at. Right? The only thing, I've been to churches where the only thing they advertised was funerals. And it wasn't just the funerals of people. It felt like the funeral of the church, right? Like they're just, they feel dead and they feel like, man, please be excited. What you have here, know that it is special, right? You have, some, you have a pastor that is fired up for this area. Uh, you, you have a great team here, great worship, great systems, great teams, great people, great volunteers. Uh, you, great looking people here. Somebody say amen to that at least, right? You look good. Man, be excited. Rep your church. Be excited about what's happening here. Right, and that's why I'm going to get a T-shirt so I can rep new movement when I go to Gold. Somebody, because I had one, I had the old one, the Hope City one. Anybody got that one still? Anybody an OG at uh, New Movement? Three people. That's okay. Hey, new people is okay. But I love this church, and I don't know all of you. Um, but I feel like we are family, and I am rooting for new movement on, in Pasco, man. I'm rooting that uh, and, and believing that God is going to do incredible, incredible things. You guys with me on that? Can I preach today? Is that, is you guys ready for the word? Is that cool? I don't, you know, people have asked me, hey, will you come speak at my church? I don't speak too well. Right, like, speaking sounds boring. I like to preach a little bit. Not like, and not, 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 not crazy, not like preach, you know. But I like to preach a little. I like to, um, I, I find in, in God's word, and, and people receive it and express it differently. But I, for me, I find in God's word, there's power in the Bible. There's power in the words of God. There's powers in the stories that we read throughout the Bible. And it would, it, it, for me personally, in the way that God has, has created me, it would uh, be a disservice to, to God himself if I did not express to you the way that God expresses it to me. So I ain't going to be going crazy, uh, but if I start sweating just a little bit, we got a towel. We're good. We're going we're gonna to just move right on through it. You guys good? Anybody remember when you were uh, younger? Some of you are still young. Some of you have been younger. You remember when you were younger and 10 bucks was a lot of money? Nobody? You remember when McDonald's had a dollar menu? $10 could buy you nine things because you know you didn't carry the tax and then you had to figure it out. And Man, you could score nine McDoubles with $10. Now McDonald's don't even have a dollar menu. They have a value menu. First of all, the devil's a lie. They need to come back with the dollar menu. I remember when $10 was a lot of money. Right? When I was at, some, some of you, I'll take $10 right now. But you remember, like, when you seen $10, like, your parents or your grandparents, they would just slip you a $10 bill, or you got that for, like, chores or allowances or whatever. Man, you, would, you, you started thinking, I can buy four things at Walmart. I can buy ten things at Dollar Tree. I can buy half a thing at Hobby Lobby. I can buy a gift card at Home Goods because you know you ain't getting nothing there for $10. But it was a lot of money. You just flaunt it too. You're like six, seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, you know, somewhere in that preteen range. You got little brothers, sisters walking around. You got $10 in your pocket. Every time they look, you just flash it. Yeah, I got, I'm stacked. Right? You guys remember when $10 was a lot of, somebody help me. $10 used to be a lot of money. Now $10, man, I don't even, I, I mean, not that, I'm not ungrateful, but $10 ain't changed my life in a long time. 
You know, like if somebody walks up to you and hands you $10, you're, you're, you feel like you're begging for money. Right? You're like, was I sitting on the side of a curb with the cardboard sign saying, help me, I'm a veteran type thing? Man, like $10, what does $10, you can't do nothing with $10 anymore. You can't buy clothes. Like you can't even go to Walmart and buy a t-shirt anymore for $10. Some things are $11.99. And with me, all the Mexes cost a dollar extra. The devil is a lie. I, uh, I remember though, man, $10. It's crazy how our perceptions um, change as we age. Right, as things get a little bit more expensive, as as uh, as you know, as uh, I can only speak from my perspective, and the Holy Holy Spirit just help me through this. As you know, we get married and find the women in our lives. Ten dollars doesn't seem like as much as it used to be, because marriage is expensive. I wish all the husbands in the house would help me, but you can't because your wife's sitting beside you. So, yeah, I know, I know. Right, like I, I remember, man, when I was a kid, dude, ten dollars was a lot. But as I, but, but as I got older, ten dollars just isn't as much, right? It doesn't go as far. It doesn't seem like it has the impact that it used to. I remember when I first got saved, right? I was a, a, a child in the faith. I felt like God could do anything. I'd just be walking, start raining, and I'd be like, "Hey, you need to chill out. God, get the rain." And I would be, I'd be shocked when it didn't happen. You're like, man, I thought you would stop the rain this time. You got it next time. Don't you worry. I know you do because I ain't trying to get my hair wet. This, this hair gel is expensive. And if it messes up, I ain't, I can, my wife said I can only have one bottle of wheat, you know, so God help me out. Right? And, and I, man, I had faith that God could do anything. But then all of a sudden, we get to the place in our lives where, hey, now we're seasoned Christians. Now we're old Christians. We are generals of the faith. And yet, we know that God can, but sometimes it doesn't seem like God is as big as he really is. I think about, that happens a lot in our lives. I remember when I first got saved, man, anything that happened, my first response was to pray. And then my second response was to try to figure it out until God did his thing. Now, I have to be intentional, because my instinct I've been in church for so long, been a Christian for so long, my instinct is when something goes wrong, I just try to figure it out. And then if I can't figure it out, then I ask God. I, I think about in the Bible, Jesus is sitting around with the disciples at, or with, with some kids, and the disciples come up, and they try to brush the kids away. They're like, hey, 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 come on, kids, this is Jesus. Right? This is, you, he doesn't have time for you. And Jesus said, hold on, we're going to suffer the kids. Right? We're going we're to take time to listen to the kids because it is something to have a childlike faith. It is something to believe that God can do anything. We were not created with the purpose to question what God can do. We were created with the intention to believe that God can do anything. You don't have to ever doubt. Like there is people ask me all the time the most random questions, and I love it. I love it. Like aliens. Do aliens exist? And you're like, oh, what is this guy preaching about? People ask me this. Do aliens exist? And I say, I don't know, but I know all things are possible with God. So if he wants to do it, he can do it. Some of you just had your whole mind blown. 
right? Like, people ask me, like, they want to get into these theological debates about time and, and how dinosaurs and, and if Adam and Eve were living with dinosaurs and what about cavemen and prehistoric? I said, I don't know. I just know that the God that I serve and the God that I've read about from Genesis all the way through Revelation said that he is capable of anything. He, it is possible, uh, anything is possible through him. So if he decides that he wants to do it, he will do it. There's nothing that God cannot do and there's nothing that God will not do to help you progress forward in your relationship with him right sometimes we have to get to a place we have to get to a place of understanding that man even when it seems crazy even when it seems like we're foolish and like we're a little bit immature believing this much in God that's the direction that we go with our life when's the last time you asked God something that was crazy when's the last time you asked God something that was impossible see because God he, he does good with improbable situations, but he does great with impossible situations. He does fantastic. When, when there's no other answer, that's when God shows up the best. I think about one of my favorite stories in the Bible, which we're going to get into, is talking about Joshua. As he's taken over the army of Israel... I mean, and just a little recap, in, in Exodus, we see that uh, the Israelites are taken into slavery, right? They're, they're taken, uh, and they are legitimately slaves to the Egyptians. God calls this man in a desert by a burning bush, and his name is Moses. And Moses is standing there at the burning bush, talking to a bush that's on fire, that God has literally manifested himself in. And he's talking to Moses and said, hey, Moses, you need to go tell Pharaoh that I'm releasing my people, right? That my people are going to be free, and you're going to be the voice that leads this. You're going to be the voice that makes this happen. And Moses argues, and he's like, whoa, can't do that, God. I stutter, you know, and plus I'm talking to a bush in the middle of the forest or in the middle of the desert. Like, it's on fire. People are going to think I'm weird. God says, no, you have to go. And Moses said, who is sick? Who, who, okay, so I go, God. What happens now? Who do I tell him sent me? And God just says, I am. I am, right? Like, you can fill in the blank. God is whatever he needs to be in the moment. If he needs to be strength, he can be strength. If he needs to be power, he can be power. If he needs to be meek, he can be meek. If he needs to be comfort, he can be comfort. God is. And so Moses, he goes, and, and, and we know in Exodus the, 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 the plagues happen, and, uh, and eventually the Israelite people are are released by Pharaoh. The, the Egyptians chase them because Pharaoh changes his mind. Uh, God parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites cross over on dry, la- dry ground where a Red Sea used to be, right? It splits, and then all of a sudden, the Egyptians that were following them, as soon as the Israelites are over, God closes the Red Sea in, and God has made the provision and the way for Moses as the Israelites' leader to get the, his people out of slavery. And then Moses, he, he has experiences with God, and the Israelites get to see these experiences with God. The Israelites, uh, they're in the middle of a desert, and yet when it's cold at night, God provides a cloud of fire. When it's hot in the day, God provides a cloud that is a shade cloud, right? This is all throughout the, 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 the Torah of the Bible, the first uh, few books of the Bible. And so here we are, and Moses is, is standing there, and then he goes and receives the Ten Commandments. And yet the people, the Israelite people, they're like, man, uh, uh, this is, we, we, even though God's been good to us, we're going to still do whatever we want. See, God, even though he has a plan for our lives, like we have to, we have to follow in that just a little bit. I, I, I kind of get tired of, and, and this isn't necessarily you, uh, but it, a lot of people that I uh, help 
counsel and help work, through, work with, I asked them two things. Does God have a plan for your life? And a lot of them will answer, yes. Anybody in here believe God has a plan for your life? Right? The Bible says that even while you were in your mother's womb, he was shaping and preparing a path for you to follow. He was making a plan for you. You're not, you're, you are so important to God that out of the millions and billions of people that have ever been born in this world, God took time to create a specific path and destiny and allow time to run together with other people in other situations just for you. You are important enough to God that he took time. He took his energy and his effort to create this for you. God has a plan on your life. It doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life. It doesn't matter if you've barely been in church. It doesn't matter if you're not even really in church now. You just accidentally came in here this morning. God has a plan for your life. Like you have to, we have to see that. We have to understand that. And yet, we all believe that God has a plan. But we don't always follow God's plan. And then sometimes we say, God, we need you to fix this. I'm sorry I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but you're God and you're supposed to be forgiving, so fix this. And that's where the Israelite people are. God has promised them uh, uh, and told them, hey, I'm sending you to the promised land, right? The, the, the land of Canaan. It, it was supposed to be one of the greatest places. It was, it was their place that God had promised them. And yet they went a different way than God wanted them to. They, they bickered, they fought, they worshipped other things around them, that, and they put things in front of God that wasn't nearly as important as God. And God said, okay, so this whole generation is cursed now. Until this last person in this generation dies, you cannot enter into the promised land. So everybody dies, finally. That had to be a long 40 years, right? Wouldn't that be awkward if you're the younger generation and there's an older generation and you're literally just waiting for them to die? Every day you're just looking at them like, I wish they would just do it. Just. Right, that would be, you're like 60 years old and you're just walking around. You feel great and you see people sharpening knives. Whatever, my imagination gets the best of me. But anyways, so Moses dies as the leader. And God brings up this man named Joshua who's been waiting his time who has been seeking the presence of God. There's so many examples of how Joshua just stayed in the presence. Even when Moses went and led the people, Joshua was more concerned with the presence of God than he was being in front of people. He could care less about being in front of people. He just wanted to be in front of God. Because when you get in front of people, they can only do so much. But when you find yourself in front of God, then God takes that moment to promote you. God takes that opportunity to to put you in the place that he has started preparing for you. And so Joshua finds himself here, man, Imagine Joshua. He's like, okay, the last generation, they messed everything up. So now we're going to fight this battle. We're going to beat every single person that's standing between us and and the place that God has promised us. And that's where we pick up. Joshua has already fought some kings, and he is making a legacy for himself. Not for Joshua, but for God. The kings in the Bible, they would say, Joshua... And the God that he serves are coming. We must prepare. How many times have you been referred to together as you and the God you serve? I know like it would, be, it would be a little awkward in our language, but when people see us, do they see the power of the almighty God that we serve in our lives? When in the Bible it talks about we stand apart, we're different. Right? That's not anything to do with you. That is everything to do with what's inside of you. 
You want to stand out? You want to stand up? You want to be a little bit different than the people around you? Man, we got to make sure that the God of Israel, the God that brought the Israelites out, the God that died for our sins, the God that told us we would be victorious through him is living inside of us. See, today we're talking about Joshua. Joshua. Let me read this to you. Joshua chapter 10. It says, uh, The king of Jerusalem heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king. Just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king, he learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they all heard this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai, and the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. He had, the, the, the king had already heard, hey, Joshua already beat Ai. That's bad. He already beat Jericho, who had the most impenetrable walls. Anybody heard the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho? They marched around seven times. Anybody sing that in kids' church when you were growing up? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Okay, I guess that's not this church. I'm about to teach y'all a cool old school jam. So they're worried. Not only that, but now Joshua has teamed up with the, with, with, with the Gibeonites, And so the king of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings. He sent messengers to four other kings. Come and help me destroy Gibeon. For they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all the troops into place and attacked Gibeon. I love this part of the message. And when when I hear pastors preach this and when I've heard this before, we kind of just run through this so that we can get to the good part. This is such an important part of the whole entire story. Joshua is standing here with a God beside him, a God behind him, a God in front of him, a God that's going with him. And he is so bad to the bone that the kings are like, hey, we cannot do this by ourselves. We have to have some help. So he calls four other kings from four other nations and said, let's power all of our stuff together. Let's get everything we got because we got to fight these guys. You ever felt like you've been attacked by the enemy from all fronts? You're walking and you're like, man, I feel like I'm, man, I feel like I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden, somebody, some devil, metaphorically or literally, stabs you in the back. And you were like, man, I was just fighting this devil right here, but I just got stabbed in the back by this devil. And then all of a sudden, man, it feels like on this side there, you're getting attacked. On this side, your family's getting attacked. Your health's getting attacked. Your finances are getting attacked. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, like man, oh, gosh, we got to, why, why? The devil never fights you from one direction in one place. I promise you. When things get tough, they're going to get as bad as they can be. Here's what we can guarantee. And this is the same thing that Joshua realized in his life. He's fighting a war. And he is literally so bad with the God inside of him that everybody's having to gang up because they realize that if they don't give everything they have in this moment, Joshua is going to get to the place of purpose and the place of destiny on the other side. Can I, can I, can I just make, uh, make that declaration to you this morning? It might feel like every, the, the devil is throwing everything he has at you. He's attacking your family, your kids, your finances, your health, your, your marriage, your, your job, your, your mental life. He's attacking everything. God, it's not on accident. 
The devil probably realizes that if he doesn't stop you now, he won't be able to stop you when you get to the place that God has promised. So he's throwing everything at you that he has right now. All the bad thoughts, all the bad feelings, all the health, all the financial problems he's giving him and throwing everything he has at you. Because if he cannot stop you, you are going to make it to that place of purpose and destiny that God has created for you. And you are going to be seen as a victorious warrior, as a person of Jesus that that goes in the name of Jesus. I love in Psalms, man, even when, here's my favorite part. God never left us to have to fight these battles alone. He's never, he, he just never did. In Psalms it says, hey, even when I looked in front of me, you were there. And then I looked behind me and God, you were also there. I looked to my right, God, there you are. And then I looked to my left and you are also there. Even in the deepest of valleys, in the darkest of valleys, in the toughest of times, God is still omnipresent in our lives. And even though it feels like we're being attacked from every direction, God is also has our back from every direction. And I love this, man. The enemy knew, if you don't listen to nothing else today, know this. When the enemy knows that you're headed for a place of purpose, he will do everything he can to defeat you. Everything. It says, so the men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now. They pleaded, come at once, save us, help us. For all of the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. This will be and recorded as the biggest battle that Joshua had ever had to fight to this point and also through this point. Right, we look retrospectively and we see that this is the biggest battle that Joshua will fight over the concourse of his whole quest. Because the biggest battles always equal the biggest victories. And even when the battle seems the biggest, man, we can, we can be like, yeah. God, I, you, you know how, okay, I had this guy when I went to school with. He was 5'4", no joke, he was 5'4", you know, regular looking, normal kid. But he was crazy. Like crazy, crazy. Like Lock your doors when he's walking down the street, Craig. He just had, he had an eye that was a little bit, you know, kind of a little bit off. So when he looked at you, you wasn't sure if he was looking at you, if you needed to, you know. I seen one time this kid standing here. And, he's get, and he was a fighter. And he's getting into this fight. Anybody know what a mag light is? The big, heavy flashlights? And I seen a kid take a mag light out of his truck. And hit this kid, I mean as hard as he could in the head. Oh, no, 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 don't feel bad. This kid stood there and smiled. I was like 80 yards away and I was freaked out. He just stood, he took it and he was smiling. He was like, man, this is no problem. From that point forward, nobody messed with that dude. Nobody messed with Maglite head. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right, because when you can take everything that the opponent has, I mean as bad as it can get, and you can stand there and smile, people don't want to mess with you no more. When you can look the devil in the face and say, hey, give me what, I'm good. Give me whatever you got. Throw it all at me. Mess with my finances, mess with my family, mess with me. I don't care. Mess with my health. No problem. I'm going to stand here and smile and believe that the God inside of me is bigger than you. The God inside of me is stronger than you. The God inside of me can beat you. And I'm going to have a smile on my face as I go through these trials because I know that if I keep smiling through the pain, then I will make it to the place of purpose. Anybody with me? 
I have no idea how long your pastor usually preaches, um, so I'm, 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 just hang tight. The worse it gets, the better it will be. Here's what we can take solace in this morning. The struggles are not meant to destroy your faith. They are meant to build your faith. God never let anybody in the Bible, if you look, God never let people in the Bible go through anything unless it was to build their faith. Right? When we, we look at Job, and Job had to go through all this junk in his life. He lost his family, lost his riches, lost his fortune, lost his house, lost everything. But God only did this to build Job's faith in him and to, to just solidify how much faith that Job had, had in him. And in the end, Job got back twice as much as he had before. Because God will never let us go through something for no reason. God always puts us in situations, allows us to be in situations to build our faith. So Joshua, verse 7, so Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one will be able to stand up to you. God has already declared us victorious. That's what I love. God has already declared us a victorious people. Can I promise as you walk out of this building today, you don't have to struggle wondering, hey, am I going to win this week? Am I going to win God has already, by the way, that was my cue. This is when Pastor Tanner starts shutting it down. Thank you. I had literally had no idea. Get through all these notes. As you leave this building today, you don't have to leave questioning, man, does God got me? Am I going to make it this week? Am I going to make it until next Saturday? You can guarantee that if God is inside of you, when you leave, he's victorious. He's been victorious for years. And if he's living inside of you, when you leave, you can be victorious. The last part of this, this verse, this chapter, says that Joshua's standing out there. Man, they're winning. They're, they're, they're winning. They're beating the enemy. And there's no problems. And then the sun, it's like time for night. Nighttime. And Joshua says, God, if we don't if we don't kill these devils now, if we don't kill all of the enemy now, if we don't completely wipe these guys out, then we're gonna have to deal with them. We're gonna have to listen, if you don't kill that devil in your life, if you don't, I mean you can fight it and win, but you gotta destroy, completely destroy. That enemy in your life, that, that thing that you struggle with the most, that addiction, that pain, whatever it is, you have to destroy it. Because if you don't, you're going to have to keep fighting. And Joshua's standing here, he's like, oh, hold, no, 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 God. We, we, we got to beat him. We got to go. We got we to gotta fight. This is, I talked about it in the beginning, having that childlike faith. Having that faith that God can do anything. Joshua literally stands there and he says, God. You're the one that said we're victorious. You're the one that said we can make it. You're the one that said we would be, we, we would have the victory and claim the victory. So I'm standing here right now asking that you will make the sun stay in the sky until the war is over. I am asking, guys, do you know how crazy that is? Joshua's standing there in the midst of people and he says, God, you, I, the, the, I know how the world works. I know that in like an hour or 30 minutes, the sun's going to go down and we're going to lose all daylight. But I need the sun in my life. 
I need to have the sun where we can defeat this enemy. So God, I'm going to ask you for something impossible. I'm going to ask basically that you pause time and stop time so that we can be victorious the way you said we would. The Bible goes on to say that God held the sun in the sky. And Joshua completely annihilated the enemy. They were victorious and they walked into the promised land. They walked into the promise of God. I don't know what it is in your life. I feel like <laughs> I'm on a, a bit of a health journey myself. And uh, one thing I struggle with is cooking rice because it takes forever. See, he just, got, so he just got delivered from something right there. I struggle with it. I do not want to cook rice for like 40 minutes or an hour or whatever. I don't even know how to cook rice. And so I told my wife, I said, hey, you need to buy these little, little minute rice cups. Thank God somebody, somebody invented these things. I stick them in and, they, and they're fine. But they're not, they're not as good. They're not as healthy. They're not, they don't taste the same. It's a cheap imitation of what I really should have. It's good enough, but it's not everything that it could be. I think with God, a lot of times, like we don't ask impossible things. We don't want to wait. If it's good enough, it's fine. Even if it's a cheap imitation of the purpose and the plan for our lives that God has created for our lives, it's okay as long as it's good enough. But I believe, man, God is calling a church, a people. I say, you know what, God, even if it takes more time, even if it takes more effort, even if it takes more energy, we're going to ask you for the impossible. Ask you for things that don't make sense to people around us. We're gonna we're gonna have that childlike faith, that, that same faith that that believed that ten dollars could buy anything, that same faith that believed that God could do anything when we first became Christians. We're gonna find that again in our lives because we believe, and what you've promised us is that if we ask, and it's according to your will and your purpose, then you will always deliver. And so my challenge to us this morning, man, what, what have we been, what have we refused to ask? I don't want to get to heaven and not have asked anything. I'm going to share this story with you and I'm going to close. There's this golfer. Anybody play golf in here? Great, three people. That's how, that's what golf will do to you. There's this golfer and He's a, he's a professional golfer, very, very, very well known. And this king from, he's a professional in the United States, this king from uh, overseas calls him. A super rich king. He calls him. And he says, hey, come play golf with me. I invite you to my palace. I invite you to my kingdom to play golf. So the golf pro accepts, and he's like, man, sounds great. Let, let's, let's do it. So he goes over, he flies over. They play golf. They have a great time. He shows them a couple tips, a couple tricks, the king, and him have, have a blast. Right? They're, it's awesome. And now they're at dinner the, that, the night uh, that the pro's getting ready to leave. He's been there for a few days. They've played. They've hung out. They've had a great time. And the king looks at him and says, hey, before you leave, I just want to thank you so much for coming. I want to thank you that you took the time to come over here. And the golf pro's like, 
I played on the, like some of the nicest golf courses in the world for free. I ate like a king while I was here. You don't have to think. I should be thinking. You know, the king said, no, no, no. When, when somebody makes an intentional effort to hang out and to come over here and to be part of this, like, man, we, we, we realize how special that is. So in return for you coming over here, I want to offer you whatever you want. What, what can I get you as a thank you gift? And golf pro, he's like, man, I have I mean, could you imagine if somebody said, hey, what's one thing? If, I, if, if, if somebody asked you right now, what's one thing you could have as a thank you gift? It would take a minute because you don't want to mess this up. This is your one genie in a bottle moment. Right? Some of you are like, Buffalo Wild Wings gift card, $100. And then you get home and you're like, ah, oh, I could have made it too. You know, you don't want to mess this up. And so the golf pro, he thinks for a moment. He says, you know what? I, I think. I collect old vintage golf clubs. He's a golfer, makes sense, right? If you, I mean, if you decided to give me something, if you got me an old vintage golf club, then I would be just fine. And they left it at that. Golf pro comes home, back to America. A couple weeks later, hasn't thought about it, nothing. A couple weeks later, there's a knock on his door. There's a lawyer there. And, he's, and the lawyer says, hey, Mr. So-and-so, uh, I represent the king of this country. And uh, we just need you to sign because uh, the king wanted to give you a thank you gift. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember. He's like, but I don't understand. Why. I mean, you could have just sent it. You could have just shipped it. And the lawyer's like, what? I, I just, what do you mean? And the golfer was like, I asked for an old vintage golf club. He could have just shipped it to me. The lawyer's like, no, you need to, you need to sign for, for what he got. So he signs, and he's like, okay, that's fine, but I, don't, I just don't understand what's happening. And the lawyer said, well, you asked the king for an old vintage golf club. So the king decided uh, and he, he, that he found the perfect one. It's 600 acres. It will be completely staffed. Everything that you would ever want on this place is there. You will never have to pay a dime and all the profits will be yours. And the golf pro is like, what? And the, the lawyer said, you wanted a golf club. An old vintage golf club. It's exactly what you got. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, man, you could ask for everything, but you asked for a golf club. Understanding, like, the, the golf pro had no idea the money, the, the resources that the king had. And so he asked from what he thought was expensive, from what he thought was worth, instead of looking from the perspective of the king. Guys, we serve a God who is almighty, who is all victorious, who is omnipresent. Nothing can defeat him. Nothing can stop him. He is in time and he is out of time. He changes lives and then he corrects stuff. He fixes things. He helps people. He does miracles and he does the impossible. We serve a God who we couldn't even start counting up the resources that he had. It would take us our whole entire life and we would barely even scratch the surface. I don't want to get to heaven and God look at me and say, you could have had everything and you asked for a golf 
You could have had so much more. But you decided, I'll go to church once a week. I'll do okay. I'll serve when I can. I'll give when I can. But I don't want to change what I got. I don't want to ask you for anything special, God. I just want, I'm good with normal. I'm good with average. But I believe God is raising up some people. A generation, right? A church says, man, I'm going to ask God for some hard stuff, for some impossible things. We just bow your head where you're at right now? Right? When's the last time you really asked God for something that seemed bigger than was possible? When's the last time? The worst thing that could ever happen in your life is you get to heaven and God look at you and say, man, you could have had so much more if you just would have asked. You could have had so much more if you would have asked. But instead, you were good being comfortable. You were good being complacent. Man, even if one person in this room today decides in their mind, I'm going to ask for bigger things. Not for myself, but for the kingdom. I'm going to ask that that God just take over this city for our church, for his kingdom. I'm going to ask that God just impacts the lives of people in this city with the name of Jesus. God, we want to see the impossible. We want to see the things that, that, that are incredible. I'm going to ask God that he takes myself, my family, my kids to a place and a relationship with him that we've never experienced before. Things that seem impossible, I'm going to start asking do not want to get to heaven holding a golf club and God saying, man, you could have asked for so much more. With our heads bowed, ask yourself that this morning. What have I been leaving on the table? What have I not asked for that God has already prepared and destined me for? Joshua, he asked for the sun to stand still in the sky. He asked for the sun literally to just stop until the victory in the battle is won. What are you asking for? What's that one big ask in your life this morning? Maybe that desire, maybe that dream, maybe that thing that God has put inside of you, maybe nobody even knows about except for you. It's time to start asking. It's time to start asking. this morning and that is the challenge that we find ourselves in a relationship with God to the point that we are afraid to ask for nothing there's nothing that that is too big there's nothing too powerful there's nothing too hard for God and we come to the conclusion this morning together that hey I'm asking for myself asking for my family and I'm asking God for my church for the impossible to happen let's pray this morning God we love you we thank you we honor you God we understand that and we've been told throughout the Bible that you're almighty you're all powerful you can do anything and everything and yet God it's easy it's easy to want things to be quick and, and, and painless God, we don't want a cheap knockoff version of the purpose that you have on our life. God, we don't want to get to heaven standing there holding a golf club 
while you look at us and say, man, you had so much purpose and destiny on your life, and yet you chose not to use it. God, so today, we're declaring together, we're going to ask for big things, huge things. Not for personal gain or, or, or self-advancement, God, but for the kingdom. God, we want to see you move. We want to see you change lives on a scale like we've never seen that before. And we believe that when we pray for the kingdom, when we pray that, that, that the kingdom is advanced, God, then you will begin pouring things back into our lives. God, because when we love on you and love on your things, God, you begin to really just express and show your love on us. God, so right now, let us begin to ask for big things. God, I pray a special blessing over a new movement. I pray that as a church, collectively, God, they will start asking for big things for this community and beyond. I pray that lives are changed forever as soon as they walk through the door. I pray that you will just let the impossible just ring through this sanctuary. Impossible situation, impossible task, God, impossible people. Let, let, let it all be for your glory, but let it happen. God, we, we ask for that right now. God, you, they have fantastic leaders. They have fantastic pastors. You've created everything that needs to be created for this to happen. So God, collectively together, we ask right now that you start doing the impossible. Let us see the impossible. We, are, we refuse to ask for small things anymore. God, but we move into a place where we understand that we serve the God that can do everything. Not just enough, but more than enough, God. So now we ask for the big things. God bless every single person in this room. Let, let, let today mark a moment where our paradigm, our, our perception started changing. Where we started asking you for difficult, impossible things. And you came through every single time. We believe in you, God, and we love you. We thank you. Jesus name we pray can somebody say amen come on say amen say amen if you're gonna ask for big things come on
One more time for Pastor AJ. Thank you so much for coming out here. Um, Pastor Simeon, on behalf of us, would like to...